My message tonight comes out of Psalm 139. So if you have your Bibles, we can turn to it. And I am going to read all 24 verses because that's what it's going to be about tonight. Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I stand up. You understand my thoughts from far away. You observe my travels and my rest. You are all aware of all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you know all about it, Lord. You've encircled me. You have placed your hand on me. This wondrous knowledge is beyond me. It is too lofty. It's, I'm unable to reach it. Where can I go to escape your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in hell, you are there. If I fly on the wings of dawn and settle down on the western horizon, even there your hand will lead me. Your right hand will hold on to me. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me, and the light around me will be night, even the darkness is not dark to you. The night shines like the day. Darkness and light are alike to you. And everybody knows this, part, this scripture. <laughs> For it was you who created my inward parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I will praise you because I have been remarkably and wondrously made. Your works are wondrous, and I know this very well. My bones were not hidden from you when I was made in secret, when I was formed in the depths of the earth or in the mother's womb. Your eyes saw me when I was formless. All my days were written in your book and planned before a single one of them began. God, how precious are your thoughts to me, how vast their sum is. If I could count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I wake up, I'm still with you. God, if only you would kill the wicked, you bloodthirsty men, stay away from me, who invoke you deceitfully. Your enemies swear by you falsely. Lord, don't I hate those who hate you and detest those who rebel against you? I hate them with extreme hatred. I consider them my enemies. Search me, O oh God. Know my heart. Test me and know my concerns. See if there's any offensive way in me. Lead me in the way of everlasting. Thank you, Jesus. So, here we have King David, who wrote this psalm. He's having a conversation with God. And David was a man after God's own heart. Here he is reflecting and in deep thought about the qualities of God and how great our God is. Psalm 139 highlights several, several attributes of God, but I'm going to only touch on two tonight, and that is going to be his knowledge and his presence. He's omniscient. Okay? He's all-knowing. He's 
unlimited in what he knows. And in 1 John 3.20, it states God knows all things. His knowledge is immeasurable. There's nothing he does know. Nothing. You probably heard the statement, knowledge is power. If that statement is true, then God is all-powerful because he has all knowledge. God never says too much information. He's got it all. He's got it all. There's never too much. He has it all. He's experienced, he's an expert in every field. He knows more about biology than the best biologist, more about the word than the best theologian, and more about the coronavirus than Dr. Fauci. In verse 1, it says, you have searched my heart. And you can talk to yourself about this. You have searched my heart and you know everything about me. You know when I sit down and when I stand up. You know my thoughts, even when I'm, a, I'm a far away. You see me when I travel and when I rest at home. You know everything I do and you know what I'm going to say before I say it. Psalm 17.3 states, For in a visitation of the night, you inspected my heart and refined my soul in fire until nothing vile was found in me. I will not sin with my words. God's knowledge of each of us is individual. It's not general. It's not general. It's personal and it's individual. He knows my heart just as well as he knows Mike's heart, or AJ's heart, or Pastor Nick's heart. Right now, there's about 7 billion people alive on planet Earth. He knows me and has full knowledge of me. He knows you and has full knowledge of each of us. Plus, he knows these 7 billion people individually. God takes notice of our routines in our life. Every step we take, every right step we make, every misstep, and every word before we speak it, even the words we speak in a private conversation, he knows them. He knows the rules we walk by. He knows the company we keep. He knows our thoughts before we think our thoughts and every word we speak before we say it. Since God knows everything, he knows the worst about us, but he also knows the best about us, and that's good news. In Proverbs 5, 21, 21, for the Lord sees clearly what a man does, examining every path he takes. And in Hebrews 4.13, it states, nothing in all creation is hidden from God. Everything is naked and exposed before his eyes, and he is the one to whom we are accountable. When I was meditating on this word, um, the scripture from John 21, 15 through 17 came to me. And this is, this is after Jesus resurrected, and um, he is at the Sea of Galilee. He's on the shore preparing breakfast, and his disciples are out 
in, in the water fishing. And he calls him and he says, hey, let's have some fish with this breakfast. And then he starts to have a, con when they come in, he starts to have a conversation with Peter. And Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, you know that I love you, Peter responded. Jesus said, feed my lambs. A second time, Jesus asked Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know I love you. You know everything. Shepherd my sheep. A third time, Jesus asked Peter, do you love me? Peter responded, Lord, you know all things, and you know that I love you. So just as Peter denied Jesus three times, and Jesus knew all about it before it happened, obviously, now he's asking Peter three times to affirm his love for him. He knew Peter loved him. He knew that, but he wanted him to affirm it. He wanted Peter to move on without burden or regret or guilt so Peter could move forward in the task of feeding his sheep or preaching the word. Can you imagine knowing someone who knows everything about you and loves you anyway? He knows the real you? I don't think any husband or wife in here can say, oh, yeah, he probably doesn't like that about me, but he loves me. But Jesus loves us anyway, no matter what. In verse 5, it says, you go before me and follow me. He knows our location wherever we are at all times. He's like the original GPS, you know, the original GPS, I said. I, Lord gave me that. I didn't make that up. You place your hand of blessing or protection on my head. In verse 6, David says, such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too great for me to understand. The Lord's complete awareness of each of us is wonderful news for believers. Maybe not unbelievers, but believers. Others may misunderstand you or misread your intentions. God is never confused about you or I. God understands, and we are never lost or forgotten. Wherever we are, we are under the eye and the hand of God, his protection and his guidance. He's always there. Romans 11.33 states this. Who could ever wrap their minds around the riches of God, the depth of his wisdom, and the marvel of his perfect knowledge? Who could ever explain the wonder of his decisions or search out the mysterious ways he carries out his plan? In verse 6, David is expressing to God this knowledge that God has is, is too wonderful, far too wonderful, too great for him to understand. It's beyond him, just like it's beyond us. We can't fathom it. We cannot fathom the knowledge of Christ. His knowledge, though, to us is also instructional because he instructs us through his word. That's one way. And we could never know what God knows unless God reveals or instructs us. In John 14, 29, Jesus is speaking. I have told you now before it happens, so that when, 
does happen, you may believe. So he tells us things in advance through his word, through prophets, whatever it might be. There's different avenues. God's knowledge extends to all times, past, present, and the future. He knows what will happen just as much as he knows what has happened. The future is just as clear as the past to him. So God's knowledge is unlimited, immeasurable, and it is also instructional to us. In verse 7 through 10, I'm going to talk about God's presence here. Where can I escape your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in hell, you are there. If I fly on the wings of the dawn and settle on the western horizon, even there, your hand will lead me. Your right hand will hold me. In Jeremiah 23, 23 through 24, it states, Am I a God near at hand, says the Lord, and not a God afar off? Can anyone hide himself in a secret place so I shall not see him? Do I not fill the heavens and the earth? Our God is omnipresent. God is everywhere. He's here. He's there. He's everywhere. He inhabits the universe from top to bottom at all times. David confesses in this psalm that wherever he might try to hide, whether it's in heaven or hell, east or west, we will still, all of us, be in the presence of God. We are never alone. Alone is impossible. There is no such thing as alone. Wherever there is existence, God is there. He is present. No matter where we are, God's right hand will hold on to us. He could, we could flee to the most obscure, distant place, and we would still be found by God. He is never out of our reach. Verse 11 through 12 states, Surely the darkness will hide me, and the light around me will be, will be night. Even the darkness is not dark to you. The, right, the night shines like the day. Darkness and light are alike to you. Job 34, 22 through 23, it states this. No darkness is thick enough to hide the wicked from his eyes. We don't set the time when he will come before. We will come before God in judgment. The dark can't hide me. I cannot hide from God. And that... When I was meditating on this, this brought me the story of Adam and Eve. When they sinned in the garden, they tried to hide from God because of guilt and shame. Sometimes in our own lives, because of sin, we want to try to run. We want to try to hide from God. But there's no mask. There's no disguise that can hide us from the true light of God. He is always near, immediately accessible, ever-present. He won't let us go. He will keep pursuing us. He will chase after us. Verse 13 through 15, it states, For it was you who created my inward parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I will praise you because you have, I have been made remarkably and wondrously. 
Your works are wondrous, and I know this very well. My bones were not hidden from you when I was made in secret, when I was formed in the depths of the earth or in my, in my mother's womb. Psalm 40, verse 5 states, O Lord, our God, no one can compare to you. Such wonderful works and miracles are found with you. And you think of us all the time with your countless expressions of love, far exceeding our expectations. Also in Ecclesiastes 11, verse 5, it says, Just as you cannot understand the path, path of the wind or the mystery of a tiny baby growing in its mother's womb, so you cannot understand the activity of God who does all things. God assembled us. That's for the guys assembled. Or knit us together, that's for the girls, in our mother's womb. He invested in each one of us before we were born. Before we were born, he invested in each one of us. He is the one who creates. God has been at work in our lives from the beginning, from conception. Verse 16, God recorded every moment of your life even before it began. Your eyes saw me when I was formless. All my days are written in your book and planned before one single day began. I just thought about that. Your eyes saw me when I was formless. So I just pictured him like a sculpture, sculpturing us, making us from nothing to something. Psalm 119.73 states, Your very hands held me and made me who I am. And he has numbered each one of our days. Our days, they rest in his hands. Nothing can change that fact. No matter what the circumstances surrounding your conception, your ethnic background, or your gender, your existence is intentional. He has written a story about each of us with purpose and meaning. We are not here to just randomly experience life. He wants us to experience life knowing him and trusting him. Verse 17 through 18 states, God, how precious your thoughts are to me. How vast their sum is. If I counted them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. Now, who can number them in here? Anybody? No, only God knows the number of the grains of sand on this earth. When I wake up, I'm still with you. We should be overwhelmed, but also comforted by the fact that we are always in his presence and, immediate, and intimately known by him. God is aware of every detail of our life, and, he, and we are continually on his mind. He, he doesn't miss a thing. He doesn't miss a thing. Verse 19 through 22 states, God, if only you would kill the wicked, you bloodthirsty men, stay away from me, who invoked you deceitfully. Your enemies swear by you falsely. Lord, don't I hate those that hate you and detest those who rebel against you? I hate them with extreme hatred. I consider them my enemies. 
kind of reminds me of the world today, a time of opposition. And I, I think I might have said that too. <laughs> Isaiah 11 verse 4 states, but he will judge the poor righteously and execute justice for the oppressed of the land. He will strike the land with a rod from his mouth and he will kill the wicked with a command from his lips. He's in control. In these four verses, David is saying, God, I hate these types of deeds and behaviors that are going on. Your cause is my cause because I love you, Lord. We may shun these people and their behaviors, but God calls us to love them and pray for them. Because only with God is conversion and salvation possible. In Luke uh, 6, 27 through 28, it states, this is Jesus speaking, but I say to you who hear, love your enemies and do something wonderful for them in return for the hatred. When someone causes, curses you, bless that person in return. When others mistreat you, harass you, accept it as a mission for you to pray. Now we're getting to the last couple verses. And King David goes back to the beginning. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my concerns. See if there's any offensive way in me. Lead me in the everlasting way. Search me, God. Have at it, God. You know my heart. Psalm 51 tends to create me a clean heart. Fill me with pure thoughts and holy desires, ready to please you. Test me, Lord. Know my concerns. See if there is any offensive way in me. Point out anything in me that offends you, Lord. Show me what you want to show me. Psalm 26.2 says, test me, Lord, and try me. Examine my heart and mind. And finally, he says, lead me in the everlasting way. You, Lord, reveal the path of life to me. In your presence is abundant joy. At your right hand is eternal pleasures. That should be our daily conversation with God. Search me. Test me. Lead me. Just like David, we do not fully know ourselves. We need to pray and ask God to help us understand ourselves correctly so that we can repent when necessary and enjoy intimate fellowship with him. We need to yield to you, Lord. We need to surrender to you. We need to trust you fully with who we are. We need to seek to align ourselves with his purposes and invite him to search us to test us and reveal through the Holy Spirit anything, anything in our life that is impeding our spiritual growth. Search my heart. Point out the flaws in my life so I can draw close to you because you are the only source of renewal and restoration in my life. Search me. Test me. Lead me. That should be our daily conversation with God.